everybody, welcome to the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. This is Josh. It is January 18th, 2018, so we'll be chatting about the movies from the 19th till the 25th. Lee's here today. I'm here today, and Larry David's here today. And we have a special guest. <laughs> Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, Peter Monet, everyone thinks you're Larry David. You're like a young, handsome Larry David. Well, you know, it is interesting that I kind of do, we have similar looks. He like you sent me a picture of him. Yeah, when he was, <laughs> when he was young, and we look, and people thought it was me. Yeah, except that he had this big afro. Yeah, and I used to have pretty crazy hair, but not that yeah. crazy. So when Franco does the hot knives biopic, you can get Larry David yes. to play. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Monet. The making of the room. What was the, the room? Sorry, the room was the, became the disaster. So hot knives will become. The disaster philanthropist, or the disaster what? Uh, we don't have a word. We don't, we're bad with adjectives. <laughs> but Peter Monet directed a film we're showing at the Mayfair Theater next Saturday, January 27th. What title does he get? Is it premiere? Canadian premiere? It's world premiere. World premiere. Yes. Wow. World premiere. Yeah. It might that. be. It Not might since be. Best Friends. Tommy was on Greg Cicero and Best Friends. And it might be the only showing of this film <laughs> ever. No, no. He keeps getting rejected from film festivals. Yeah. The movie's so terrible. Yeah. He keeps getting rejected, I get rejected from, from, from six film festivals. I got by That's okay. Yeah, That's I don't okay. Know. Everyone gets rejected from the best. That happens, you know. Like, yeah, the best sometimes gets rejected and they go, oh, shit. You know, oh, can I say shit? Yeah, on yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can sing it. Shit. <laughs> you can sing it out loud. And they go, oh, geez, I wish we would have. You know, I've had girlfriends who had the same regrets. <laughs> well, it's okay. You know, I know so many filmmakers who are so disappointed and let down because they can't get into the film festivals. But in Canada, film festivals are hard to get into these days because they're all married to Toronto, mm-hmm. TIFF, and they're, they're all films coming in and out of TIFF. They're all films getting... The TIFF gets the same grant money that some of these films get. So they're obligated to show certain films. So there's very little room for the likes of Hot Knives at these you know, hoity-toity film festivals. I also find it's kind of, it's so easy now to apply to these film festivals because everything's on, like, you you put up your whole submission on a website, what is it, Film Freeway and Out of a Box or something. Without Um, a box. Yes. And then you go to the film festival and it's like, oh, there's film festival. Enter before this deadline, and it's like, oh, eighty dollars. Yeah. And then yeah. you get and how then much get, money did you spend? I spent like on the six. I probably spent like well over three hundred dollars, and for nothing, wow. just a bunch of rejections. Wow. So I'll have to choose it, but but it is true though because I have I I didn't send a complete copy of the. The film. Fin- fin- but are we going to show a complete copy of the movie? I hope a so. A finished version? Yes, we're working on that. <laughs> now, I'm interested to ask, I'm dying to ask Josh, and, and it's okay, you don't have to make up a, a, an answer just to seem cool. Do you know what hot knives are? Maybe. The, I find it's is a, it. Is it a drug reference? I didn't know what it was until I, mean, the, I, I edited the movie. That's Peter funny. It, yeah, it's, it's. Look at Lee's t shirt. So yeah, it's the knives that there's a coil. They used to make stoves with coils on I them. I do know what this and is. And you turn the hot the heat on, and you take the hot. You take butter knives. You put them in the coils of the stove. It heats up your stove the, the knives till they're red hot, and then you pick up the hash. A little piece, a little tiny piece, piece yeah. and it burns between the the knives, and then you inhale the smoke. Right. And uh, why would people do this? Okay, well, we did this. This is stuff we did. Like, I'm kind of (laughs) old. Kind of. Larry David's kind of old. Yeah, I was born in the 60s. And so in the 70s in Ottawa, that's what we would do because that's all basically we had in Ottawa. We didn't have very much pot. We had a hash, and we'd come out of uh, Montreal through the uh, 
you know, the biker gangs and whatever. It would come a lot from Lebanon. So, yeah, you'd get this little piece of hash, and it was expensive. It was like $15 for a little piece. And so to stretch it, it was a good way of stretching it out, you know? Yeah. And it was probably really bad for your lungs. I don't, wouldn't recommend it for anybody. Right. I, I still, I haven't done one since it looks. Teenager. It's very cinematic, though. It looks good in the movies when... When Phil's doing the hot knives, Josh. Remy Royale's doing the hot yes, knives. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. And then what the, in the movie? What did you use? I had this big chunk of incense. It was like it's called Lakshmi Doop, and it's from and it, and it looks like a big piece of black hash, and uh-huh. you can mold it, and it's just identical. Oh. So I, I'm not. So that that option was there for all the actors to use. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was an option. <laughs> so what option did most actors choose? I don't choose? know. They had some other. I don't know. It wasn't I? Huh. I was too busy shooting the film to know whether or not <laughs> what else was going on there. So what's the film about? Yeah. What, what's the what's what's your elevator pitch for the movie? Well, uh, okay. So it's it's well the 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 title like okay Larry slogan. David you've already lost me. <laughs> Forget it. Let's talk about another movie. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Peter has been told me for months he doesn't know how to pitch this movie. Right. He doesn't know how to sum it up. Like you said, elevator pitch meaning like you run into Steven Spielberg. You're in L.A. You run into Steven Spielberg in elevator. Elevate. He only he wants to hear a pitch. In less than twenty five words, and and Peter can't oh. do this, and that's fine. Is that it? Twenty five words. Twenty five words or less. Okay, so it's a modern day slacker odyssey. Oh, I've already lost. Go on. How many words is it's that? It's a drug comedy. A drug comedy. It's a stoner comedy. Stoner comedy. A stoner comedy, but it's also a mystery murder mystery. A, a film noir type. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a mystery. You know, in the in the film noir genre, there's like all the you know the, the different elements of film. Noir. And who's in this movie? Phil Caracas, I think. Famous for? Famous for some movies that he did here in Ottawa. Uh, There was the Harry Knuckles. (laughs) Harry Knuckles? Harry Knuckles. Harry Knuckles. Harry Knuckles. And Harry Knuckles and the Pearl Necklace. My favorite, Mm. personally. What's that movie about? (laughs) That, that... Okay, you want the elevator? Pitch? Yeah, what's your, <laughs> what's your elevator pitch for that? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so Phil's neighbor... Stan is his, the character's name. His uh, his uh, sexy next door neighbor. In real life? Well, no, not in real life. Oh, this in, is in your in movie. movie. In the movie. Yeah, Gabby. Who's has Gabby been in some years? She's in um, she's in the movie Bzzz, and she's also in Harry Knuckles and the Siege of the Leopard Lady. Or she? Yeah, she is in another film. I think she's in Pearl Necklace. Oh no, she no, she's in Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter and Mike Funk in the Dominion Tavern taking a shit and she falls in his lap and he stakes her she's a vampire and he stakes her it was really cool the way we rigged the blood the stick went into her chest the blood shot out through the handle and it shot up to the ceiling and for years I swear for at least two years the blood was always on the ceiling and they'd try to clean it or paint over it and the blood would seep through or Uh the, the corn syrup and I really liked going to the washroom ah. and seeing the blood still seeping through the ceiling. You're like the only person who liked going to the washroom at the Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we're, yeah, so she loses her dog, his next door neighbor, and so Phil, uh, Phil's character Stan takes it upon himself to, because uh, he kind of has the hots for his next door neighbor, and uh, so he's. It's a he science just, fiction movie. Yeah, and so he goes, and he goes, and so he uh, he goes on this quest to look for his her dog, and it leads to all kinds of different conspiracies and tomfoolery. And 
and and then he's like you don't know what's real and what isn't because he's also like in this hallucinatory state of mind because he's you know it is a stoner that was a good elevator pitch They'll have to that last that bit, the, the, you got yeah. good at the end. It sucked yeah. all the way through. Yeah. And, but right at the end, you got you nailed it. I think. I'll hone it. Uh, my next interview. You only should listen to this podcast over and over and over and over and over. It's again. like yeah. it's a character from a traditional stoner comedy stumbles into a conspiracy theory film noir after he starts looking for his hot neighbor's lost dog. Yes. Oh my God! He's saying this so well. He's saying, "Can I write that down?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for that. But what? But who, who? Who? Some of the music. You have an interesting music. A lot of audio yes. bands are involved. Yes. Yes. He's I'm gonna glad. go. Larry I'm, David's gonna go to his well, phone. No, well, there's, there's. You don't like, want to forget. There's almost twelve bands in this. Well, so Dave Bignall did the soundtrack. From the Hammerheads and Cloud yeah. of Rock. Yes, and he's awesome. He did, yeah, he did a fantastic job on the soundtrack because he he. So there's the original mu- There's there's music from different bands and various scenes, but Dave also created music for scenes. You know, and he did it. He's fantastic. So he's in Cloud of Rock, and he they did the title song Hot Knives, the Hammerheads. There's also the band whose name is a symbol. There's a scene with them down at Birdman Sound. The new swears and they're pretty hot item these yep. days with the with the youth uh, <laughs> Tinder mocks. I like them too. With the youth, are the youth <laughs> gonna come? Okay, now, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> oh my god! It, it's just, I'm not used to being up this early in the morning. Okay? <laughs> no, so, you've been doing hot knives all night. Why would you? <laughs> Tinder box, Birdie White. Birdie White's awesome. Yes, Big Moan, Crab Boat. Big Moan has a scene in it at the ha- uh, there's a hash party they go to. Andrew Vincent, Zurka, Porcelain Forehead, which is an old 70s, <laughs> uh, 80s band. From, a good uh, name for a band. band. Yeah, so they're all in. And then, and then there's also a special song appearance by David Hess. That's right. David Hess has a song in the movie. That's mm-hmm. from The Last House on the Left. Mm-hmm. David Hess who wrote five songs for Elvis Presley, including Him All Shook Up. Yeah, that's that's I, I, I yeah I love that song. And so yeah, his son has given us permission to use one of his songs in the film. So that's cool. A soundtrack, especially nowadays, I think with bands having such a social media footprint, even just a local band, I think that really helps spread the word. Helps a new group of audience who might not be familiar with the film would come into it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, there's over a hundred people credited in the film, like as uh, background actors or who have helped quite a lot. And yeah. so I'm hoping if the, everybody brings a friend, we should have a pretty. That's what it's always. Set. That's always been worthwhile showing independent films from Ottawa, because if you, you know if everyone involved in the movie brings a friend, then yeah, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it is, like whenever we show a local film, if you know every mom and dad and husband and wife and friend and extras come and the crew comes, mm-hmm. even just that, and then if a handful of people come who actually just hear about the film, mm-hmm. it makes for a really good, fun night. Mm-hmm. And especially on a night like this, like your upcoming premiere, there is an electricity in the air because the crew's excited and people are excited and it's like a lot of people just the simplicity of seeing themselves up on the big screen if it's an extra or something so that's always fun it's always fun mm-hmm. to show something local besides for the the nicety and, uh, and of supporting local mm-hmm. it gets people into the theater usually so yeah Phil must be really excited to see himself on the big screen oh yeah he probably is <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I love your poster, but he hates it. <laughs> and, and how? Can, what's there to hate about it? He's like the only person in the poster. It's just a giant poster of him. You know? Yeah, he's yeah. He uh, can't. Yeah, he loved it at first, but I think he's grown to hate it. Yeah. Is he one of those people who keeps on 
making movies but doesn't like seeing himself in said movie yeah. well yeah yeah there's that I mean yeah it, it's just weird I mean I don't know what, what it maybe Phil doesn't have an attention span but every time I show him a new movie that we made well a movie that we made years ago right. he always watches it like it's the first time he's ever watched it yeah <laughs> so he's kind yeah. of really pleasurable to sit yeah. beside because yes. he'll sit there and really like the movie as if he had nothing to do with it mm-hmm. yeah. It, yeah it's weird it's, it's an out of body experience he, you have with him but he's a natural performer like his, his uh, performance in this film is what really makes it like it it elevates it from being the room to right <laughs> <laughs> to being the room <laughs> the thing yes. yeah. Yeah. no no he is good he is good actually every like I, I liked everyone I yeah. like a lot of people in the movie I really like uh, Matt White so his roommate's quite good in the film and the women are really good in a woman mm-hmm. who's the girl who's in throughout the whole film Chantal uh, Chantal's excellent yeah, yeah. yeah it's like all these people that are just Gabby natural. is excellent yeah, and uh, yeah, so it got pretty lucky because a lot of times John in these Hill. films, like the the performances can be really stilted and not yes. look, and you just like, oh, you're watching a film with people acting lines, yeah. and you know, so it was everybody seems pretty natural. That's true. One the one thing about like we had a really small crew was just uh, Rob Patterson was shooting, and I was doing the audio uh, for the most part and uh, and directing. So it was a crew of two people. We used natural lighting and everything, and. And you got some grant money to make this movie? No, I didn't get. I yeah. got okay. Well, I got a little seed money at first from Saw, but it was it came in the form of equipment. But we, uh, Rob has most of his own equipment. So we. Started, but you got post production. I got some post money from the city of yeah. Ottawa, but like we started this film five years ago, and I got that post money. Essentially, shot on the weekends with no budget. Yeah, because like everybody, yeah, exactly. So like at the end of the day, it costs virtually nothing except for that uh, money from the city. Uh, well, I'm, I'm asking these questions because I'd like to th- think if anyone's listening yeah. who might be interested in making a movie mm-hmm. and you're inter- interested in seeing what a feature film looks like that was shot on the weekends with your friends with virtually no budget, mm-hmm. come see Hot Knives and I think you might be inspired to just kind of get up and make a movie. Yeah. I always think that of like, if all of us were doing this exact same interview in like, you know, 1980, for one, we wouldn't be doing it on a laptop, it would be in a, a radio studio. But also just the cost of even a 16 millimeter film and sound and all that mm-hmm. was so much higher. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was the big stumbling point then to do a movie like this, to do yeah. a feature length movie mm-hmm. would have even at the what would be considered no budget. Mm-hmm. Would have been like fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars on a cheap. Scale. Like, well, back in the eighties, I made some documentaries, but mm-hmm. I made them on video on three quarter inch umatic and. They don't look very good today, you know, but that's, that's how we did. But I made those things for the same And they're thing. on YouTube now? Yeah, they're did on YouTube. YouTube. One's called uh, East Timor Betrayed But Not Beaten. Uh, did another one called Papua Merdeka. And uh, they're all films about, like, human rights violations mm-hmm. in Indonesia. And uh, they're pretty heavy political films, but I made them with no money. And uh, But, like, I... There's not much you can do. What happened to your sensibility to go from that to Hot (laughs) Knives? Well, Hot Knives has its kind of subtext. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Don't ask. That's a loaded question. Especially a movie like this, if you shot it over a number of years, the thing that I'm always fascinated by is just the keeping track of continuity on what people would consider a big-budget movie 
is a pain. So when you're shooting over weekends, did you have any of those like, why did you shave your beard or <laughs> like stuff like that? Like, that's a big plot point in the movie. Yeah. Oh, is, yeah. Well, that's why we made it a stoner comedy. Okay, yeah. You know, because we knew that it would kind of get away with some of those right. subtle. Like we tried to stay, you know, relatively consistent because it actually takes place over a period of just a few days in the summer. And so, uh, like even Phil himself, he's like, I'd get angry with him because he'd cut his hair and it was yeah. really short. <laughs> And then, well, what about Jason? Well, Jason Vaughn was the worst because he he's constantly changing his facial hair. Yeah. So he's got a he's got a handlebar mustache <laughs> one week, and then and, and he, I don't know how he grows his hair. Like you can grow a beard in about three days. But yeah. there's a scene where he has to say, "I'm wearing a fake beard." Yeah, yeah. Because the the scene <laughs> the night before he's completely shaven, and so yeah, so she tugs on his beard and she goes, "What's this?" And he goes, "Oh, it's a, like a it's a hipster thing. It's a fake beard because he's in a band, and so he wants to look cool." And so we did. The Stupid things like that to explain some of the uh, plot inconsistencies. I remember in Jesus Christ Vampire, there, there's a scene where he, he has to shave in the mirror because he couldn't keep his beard. Oh, yeah. Phil, and you can't. Yeah. I mean, you're not paying these people, right? Exactly. You can't. So you I, can't I wasn't going to yeah. ask Jason to shave his beautiful beard. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> he, is, he is very photogenic in the movie, I find. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and, that, and, and that's what, kind of why it also takes so long. So if you have a scene with six or seven people in it, Everybody's got a job, so you got to find a day that I'm not. I didn't want to ask anybody to take any time off work either, like because who knew if this film was ever going to get finished? So it was like still know. we're thinking that well, it's almost finished. <laughs> it's placed next Saturday. It's, it's next Saturday. It's so close. <laughs> well, that's not. <laughs> who is that? Is it George Lucas? There's like an old quote where. It's a, a movie is never finished; it's just released. Yeah. Where if you had another six months before the screening here, you tinker with it and do more. But sometimes oh, yeah. there's a point where you're just like, oh, you got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. Like, yeah, I was definitely looking at the final version yesterday. There was like, mm, I think we should change the coloring of Josh's, you know, suit. Maybe it's a little bit too toned down. Like, mm -hmm. maybe we should. You know, and just things like that. It's yeah. like, oh, if you only... But you could tinker with these things, especially because they're so long. You know, there's, yeah. you'll always find something. Well, even like the, the most mainstream of mainstream movies, you hear stories about, you know, it's coming out on whatever date, and the weekend before, they were still re-recording lines or adding a new song. Yeah. And that blows my mind mm -hmm. that something with that much of a push behind it and, and a date set, and they're still waiting to it's the 11th it's a hour. DCP. Yeah, you can now cop. You know, you, it's a digital file, and you put them on all these hard drives. Before they had to create a negative camera, negative thirty-five millimeter, and print prints. And there was no effing around back. You know, just ten years ago, when you were releasing thirty-five millimeter prints to three thousand cinemas. But now with the DCP, you can you can almost go right up to the wire with your movie, and they stay up overnight, and they put them all on DCPs and send them out. Or well, you, you were saying that about. Uh, Louis C.K.'s film that you saw in Toronto. Right, he, he that was crazy. Yeah, yeah Louis C.K., I saw the second screening, and he introduced the film by saying, yeah, I was here for the first screening, and I flew back to New York City, changed the movie based on why people were laughing here, how people were reacting, and then two years later showed a different cut of the movie. And two I, days later. Two days later. Two days yeah. later. And yeah. I said to him, wow, <laughs> I didn't say to him, I said to, the, to my friend, uh, the distributor, I said, who else is working here? Everyone's at this festival and watching movies and drinking afterwards. And Louis C.K. is actually, you know, trying to get it done. Mm -hmm. It was pretty interesting. That's a good example. And um, Star Wars was like that. I remember when, when he was making the prequels, he was adding sequences in just before I went to release the film. There's a scene in The Phantom Menace 
that was shot in 35, but the, they panned off the frame. He wanted right. a scene, and instead of going out and shooting something, it's like, why don't we just pan off the frame, and they had to digitally remove the sprockets, and he created a virtual world. He just extended the set digitally, mm-hmm. and R2 and 3P are there digitally. It's mm-hmm. seamless. You wouldn't mm-hmm. even notice watching it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it is hair-raising to think your movie's coming out, yeah. But, you know, you're living through that now. You're like George Lucas in the, at the Skywalker Ranch. He was yeah. coming out a week and you're still laughing with the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, after this, though, I don't, you know. And, and you, do, you do have directors who will go back and tinker with their film, but usually it's a mistake that they do that. Yeah. Like, most of the time. Sometimes it isn't, but, like, I, I'm just going to leave this. Mm-hmm. Just go on. Move on. Hot mm-hmm. Knives 2. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hunt Knives 2, that'll be two, we'll see it in 2024. Really? You think? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's realistic. It <laughs> still won't be done 10 years from now. Yeah. And Lee, you're editing this. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, Lee edited like a year ago. Lee edited Hot Knives. And, and again, it's an example of you were probably doing it at home, right? On, my, on this laptop. Yeah, which is fascinating <laughs> because too. not that long ago, it would have been going to. If go or saw video, mm-hmm. and so that's a new world too, where it's still the skill of editing it, but it's a little bit easier that you can do it after work. You can do it in the morning. We probably say if we were really organized, we probably could have shot and cut this film in a in a month, you know. But uh, Phil and I are kind of the characters in the film, and so yeah, you know, life imitated art, and it's the way it took us so long. We really don't have an excuse except for you know. Yeah, uh, well, it's like anything. <laughs> like I've. It's been a couple years since I've done any film stuff, but I've done some comic book stuff in the past couple years. And the one thing that's just so much easier is all of that, of like anything that I write, the artist can draw, don't got to worry about it, you know, getting 10 people in. It's worrying about myself and the artist and the colorist kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. If I was actually doing this for DC Comics, it would take a month. But it takes a year because everyone has other jobs and everyone. So any independent person, whether it's a band or a movie or a comic book, it's always impressive just that it's done. You know, like, yeah. because there's so many obstacles in your way. Yeah. yeah, and there's no rush. And the important thing is to get it done because everybody's yeah. contributed all their time. So you, you, you owe it to them. You owe it to them. You can't. Yeah. And that and that's like a, there was a certain point you kind of go. Oh. I don't want to do something else because it's like <laughs> it's an idea you had five years ago. You don't yeah. want to do it anymore. Is it funny, you know, anymore? Anyways, it is, and it's good that we finished it. I'm glad, you know, and I think hopefully most people who are involved show up and everybody will have a good time. Yeah, I think, it's gonna, I think it's going to be fun to watch it yeah. on the big yeah. screen. Yeah. So it's at Saturday the 27th, right? Yeah. At 9.15? Well, yeah, n- doors, like, yeah, 9 is what we have on the poster, but it probably won't get off the ground until yeah. 9.15. You guys will do a little intro and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You like, I, what's your expert? Let's play this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you have a good you have a good intro. He, he's already has his intro line for this movie. Yes, lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned you were mentioning Louis C.K.'s film, but it also made me think of Best Friends because I didn't realize this when we got Best Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, there was like a title card at the front that said this is the what work did it print. say the work print. Yeah. And it even had, like, there's a scene where I can't imagine they're going to get permission from Rolling Stones, but there's one scene they're driving the car, yeah. and they're going to a Rolling Stones concert, but it's like the Stolen Rones are playing on the radio. <laughs> like, it's just that, like, Muzak yeah. version of it. Yeah. But I'm curious if we get it back in six months when it's actually done, what's going to be different? We saw this 
not a rough cut, but it, like, it was all Philip Glass music. Yeah, that's not going to be in there. No, <laughs> and music from Punch Drunk Love. And I thought that music worked so well in the movie. And I hope whoever's doing the score, it's that good. No, but no one's as good as no one's no. Philip Glass. But yeah. I love the use of that music. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Ten yeah. music, it's called. So. We're done talking about your movie. Yeah, so, yeah, so that, that's good because I was wondering, what do you what do you think? Do you think that that the uh, disaster artist will be Oscar uh, nominated? for Well, anything? it should be. It should be. Yeah. I think we'll it'll at that. least get. I think it'll get best actor and adapted, adapted screenplay. screenplay. I actually think it'll get best picture too because there's there are ten. ten. Yeah. yeah, you know, some movies get thrown in the best picture category. That is not nominated for anything else. But I don't understand their mathematical equation because sometimes it's not. Like in the past couple of years, it's been like one year I think was seven, one year was eight, maybe. Yeah, it's supposed to be ten, but some years are shitty. So I think some. I think there is like it has to get at least this many votes or something. Mm-hmm. So whatever that number is, if there's oh if there's five movies that have nineteen thousand nineteen hundred ninety four votes they're thrown out I think there's some equation that means it's not I think this is just B10 every year why not my one dream is that it wins something just so people watching the Oscars at the Mayfair get to watch somebody from Disaster Artist give a speech on the big screen who's been to the Mayfair which has screened the room 102 times as of February Mm. like that that's what I want I just want that and if you get to go if that's if that's still falling through I think they I think they want to have Tommy Wiseau up there he's such a character well you will see I wonder wonder if they'll do some microphone if they'll do some weird little sketch you know with him in it like a pre-recorded thing or something like that Mm. with Tommy with Tommy yeah 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 it'd be nice to have Greg and Tommy present something like have nothing to do with the disasters of the room just have them up there you know nominating you know how they do that stupid we're going to nominate the movie and they yeah. show clips from one of the movies nominated they waste so much time I'm doing that bullshit don't do all that and give the person who just won best editor an extra 30 seconds to thank their mom and dad they spend so much time doing all that kind of stuff and it's just like oh just slim it down and, and even a couple of years ago they cut the songs and it was a year where there was like good songs yeah it all seems weird but and it is one of those things where as much fun as the Oscars are I always think of even recently I really liked The Founder with Michael Keaton and it got zero nominations but it doesn't make me like it less right. you know like, you like The Founder? I did yeah I yeah. love Michael Keaton yeah I, I found that to be kind of like a movie of the week well the nominations are this Tuesday Tuesday the 23rd and so we will mention as we're kind of closing in on wrapping up here back in the day it would take us a while to get the Oscar nominated films because I think the mindset was those 35mm prints are being used elsewhere or mm-hmm. we're just the little guy but now the nominations haven't even happened yet right. and we're in a world where as of January 19th we're going to be screening Lady Bird All the Money in the World Call Me By Your Name and Disaster Artist and Three Billboards is a week after and these are all movies that are very likely to get nominations. I so, feel bad for regulars at the Mayfair because we're going to be showing the same yeah. movies now. But we got all March. the money in the world is new this week, you know, so hopefully that'll keep on going. Yeah, three through, billboards but. is the week after. That's confirmed. Yeah, and then The Post is coming. Well, The Post is coming when it comes. There's so, I, Tanya will be coming soon. And, you know, Phantom Thread opens finally this weekend. Shape of the Water. Yeah, it's, it's a good year. 2017 ended up being a good year. There's a lot of good movies. And that we're getting these all... I think what's happening is the multiplex is too busy showing Star, Star Wars, Wars. And they yeah. were like, nope, we don't have room for it. Yeah, it's a really bad decision they're making. It's weird. They, I don't know if they're, yeah, they're in bed with the studios. They have to show it. Like, good for us. Making, yeah. It is. It is. I feel bad for the multiplexes. 
I drive around town and they have those billboards of what they're showing. Yeah. It's like, why are they showing these movies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a Ladybird. Everyone should be showing Ladybird right now and call me by your name. But only if they want to make money, but they don't want to. So instead of showing Jumanji two, <laughs> well, that's making money, but that's one of few that are right. There's not a lot of people. It's crazy. But it's good for us. It's crazy. <laughs> and good. the yeah. other two movies this week, rare to have them both in the same weekend, but we're screening The Room and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, and that I don't even know if that's ever happened before of having them both on the same weekend. That's it was decided on because it might be the last time the pair of disasters in the room. I think the disasters is moving the rainbow soon, so yeah. we'll give it one more shot because a lot of people had said they missed it. It's funny. Someone said, "How come you're not having earlier showings of the room?" And I said, "Well, because we showed it at eight thirty and got thirty people. Yeah. We showed it at midnight and got three hundred people. Yeah, it's nuts. I worked one of those nights." You're allowed to talk, but and <laughs> he's enthralled. I worked one of those nights, and it was an okay night, but it got like sixty people for the room. But it was like fifty-five people who had never been to the room before, and you kind of forget when you're in the when you're in the center of a tornado that there's people out there who don't know what the hell the room is, and they were coming because they'd heard about disaster artist on you know CBC or Rolling yeah. Stone magazine or whatever. Have you seen the room? Yeah, I haven't seen it in its entirety. But I was here one time when Tommy and Greg were here. Ah, yes. And I came with Phil, and we stood up at the top, and we right. we watched uh, like most of it. That's not watching a movie. When someone <laughs> asks you, "Have you seen a movie? Have you seen some of it?" You don't say, "Yes, yes I've seen it." Okay. <laughs> so I haven't. <laughs> well, yeah, but you've seen some of it here. Yeah, I, what? I, I got the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe hot knives. Most people get the gist yeah. of that too. Yeah, you could get the gist of it too. Yeah. Did you meet Tommy and Greg when they were at Chalicien? No, I met them here. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't meet They them hung out at Shaley's Sand one night. Right. And the Dominion. I yeah. remember because you were saying, like, because Tommy had his, like, sunglasses on, and Phil was asking why he had his sunglasses on. He got <laughs> mad at Tommy and told him to take it off. <laughs> and then he told him to put it back on. <laughs> so he did take them off? Yeah, he took them off for Phil. Oh, really? Yeah. And then Phil said, put it back on. Again. Well, it was a joke. It was like, was, yeah, he likes wearing the sunglasses most times, day or night. <laughs> It's strange. But it's Tommy. We don't want anything to change. No. The two belts, the sunglasses. Somebody, I put it on Twitter, but somebody made a, a Lego room set. Oh, really? And it's just, it's small, but it's, just, it's Greg and Tommy with the football on the roof. So it's homemade. They just made That's it themselves. Cool. It looks so good, though. Oh, I'd love to see that. And I retweeted it. I'm like, if Lego made this, we would sell a lot of these. <laughs> no. Because, like, there's weird things happening now where it's like you get X amount of votes and you can, mm. they, they're trying to do a, um, Shaun of the Dead playset or Mystery Science Theater playset. We should get Max to make them. Max produced Lego yeah. sets. <laughs> the room Lego sets. Is the sort of thing about Lego that it's not copyright or something like that? The design, they didn't copyright the design. Of the actual blocks. Yeah, so yeah. man, that's why Mega Blocks can make Mega Blocks and so anyone weird. can release that design. Lego, see, it's funny though. My son won't let me buy anything that doesn't say Lego on the block. He's yeah. a real snob. If yeah. if we're going through a bin and we're and we're finding pieces and he finds a Mega Blocks piece or a piece that's copied off Lego, if it doesn't say Lego, he doesn't want to place it on the on the table. Mm. The Legos got that going for them that Lego fans are snobs. It's like if Hot Knives isn't copyrighted, anyone can make a sequel or remake it. Oh, we better jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> we should wrap up just because I looked at the clock and we have a rental coming in yes. in 15 minutes and I've yes. got to go figure that out so do join us if you're listening to this right away it's 
January 27th at the Mayfair is the world premiere of Hot Knives. If you miss that, keep an eye out for it as it goes out into the world. Starring Phil Caracas. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And good luck next weekend. Good luck on finishing the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Go visit our friends at House of Targ across the street. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And we'll have all the updates of all the other Oscar movies we're going to be showing soon. We'll post them there the second we know what's going on. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon at the Mayfair. Bye. Say bye, Peter. Bye-bye. In the new millennium, vampires no longer fear the sun. It's time to fear the Son of God! When the living dead outnumber the living, even the Messiah needs a little help. Caracas is Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter.